Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I'm uh, I'm in a summery climate uh, with uh, Rodrigo. Rodrigo, how are you, man? I am good. You brought um, summer shandies because it's summertime, apparently. It's summertime. It's grilling season. 70 Minnesota, degrees, yeah, 70 snow degrees. on the ground. That's right. Um, uh, Alex Schieferdecker, you are in an even more summery climb in uh, West Philadelphia. How are you? Actually, it was colder here uh, than it was in Minnesota yeah, today. Yeah, that's right. Just, just you win. Take that. Um, <laughs> you doing well? I'm doing well. But right before we came on, we actually recorded like a 30 minute uh, South American history podcast that is. Uh, it was that, a geographer's dream. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. but you were talking about that. Someone tweeted at you that there's a bar in town that sells uh, that makes uh, pisco sours that are really good. Well, that's what I've been told. So, Mark, uh, forgive me if I, if I butcher your last name, but they butcher my last name all the time, so I figure it's only equal. Uh, Mark <laughs> Fangmeyer um, said that Spoon and Table, Spoon's, Spoon and, and Stable, Spoon and mm-hmm. Stable in Minneapolis has a really good pisco sour. Okay. I guess I imagine like most of those like high end cocktail places. Yeah, you could ask for one. So right. I'm, 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 I mean, you know, only the most expensive restaurant in the Twin Cities. Right, so if right. you want to have a great, you know, pisco sour, then. Well, I'm gonna go test it out because Wednesday's my birthday, and I have oh. a day out, so I'm gonna go ahead and figure that out. Well, happy birthday! Yeah. Uh, on this week's podcast, we're gonna talk all about Rodrigo's birthday, um, but we've got we basically it's a I didn't come up with a good, the bad, and the weird. I've, I'm having like crazy life uh recently so uh we've got minnesota united versus seattle i was actually thinking of like just rebroadcasting last week's podcast <laughs> since basically this match was the exact same thing uh we gave up goals in almost the exact same minutes uh you know and you know ended the match with and, yeah. and we had the same speech from heath at the end right yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah the bus <laughs> ran over the same people uh, and and so and then we've got a, a whole boatload of Twitter questions. So we're just going to basically break it into those two. Um, but before we get started with the go to the music, I want to tell everyone: uh, Tottenham Hotspur versus AC Milan, July thirty first is going to happen this week. I believe on Thursday, on the twenty sixth, we are going to be emailing out. Uh, Fifty five one is going to be emailing out a special newsletter with a special pre-sale code for this. So you should go to the website, and down on the right, you can see a spot where you can sign up uh, for the newsletter so you can get the pre-sale code. Uh, But now, let's go to big quarters. We'll come back and uh, do Minnesota United. Back on the fifty-five-one podcast, uh, I, I want to. So Eric uh, Silver Brenneman is not here, but he wanted to relay this uh, interaction he had with his daughter. I assume it's Dora Liche. She, she's five or something, roughly. Anyway, around that, yeah. Uh, so he says they were watching the Copa Fem, uh, Copa America Femenina. Yeah, the right? final. Yeah, and uh, he said that she's getting a Formiga jersey, and uh, he says. Uh, so you know it's a World Cup year. You were barely walking last World Cup. Are we going to watch it again? She said, boys or girls? And he said, boys. And she just went, ugh. Uh, so, I totally sympathize. Next year. Next totally year. Totally sympathize with that. Uh, but um, before we get started on Minnesota versus Seattle, uh, Grant Wall and Sports Illustrated put out their ambitions power rankings. Last year, I think Minnesota was second last, la- close to last. Um, this year. This year they come out and they're in 15th, um, right behind Dallas Red Bulls and the Whitecaps. Uh, above, I'm, I'm blanking on who they were immediately above. Um, but I, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about this. Uh, if you, Alex, do, do you care, care about this at all? Minnesota did not respond to the survey, which is like yeah. classic Minnesota. Right. Like, no one respects us. No one talks about us enough. No comment. <laughs> and, and we're, yeah. So there are two parts of it, right? So first of all, there's the ranking itself. I, I think Minnesota was ranked a little low. I mean, you know, the, as we know ad nauseum, the team talks about the field and the stadium and all that kind of stuff. And But when that thing is built, it's going to be one of the top five stadiums in the league. I think that counts for something. Uh, but... 
you know, obviously it's it's not just about the stadium. He talks about academies and and players and all kinds of stuff. And and obviously Minnesota does have a ways to go on that kind of front. And the the not responding to it, the survey is just yeah. It, I think everyone contrasted it with that Calvo statement about the club not getting any respect. And it's like, well, respect is earned. You know, people aren't just going to give it to you. And not only do you have to play well on the field, but you have to put yourself out there. You know, it's the club is so like introverted when it comes to the press. It's bizarre. Uh, And it's just, yeah. I mean, everyone, I think everyone just looked at that and sort of rolled their eyes and was like, yeah, okay. Come on, guys. I, I, I think that maybe it's a little low, uh, but I do think Grant Wall probably put them a, a few steps lower because they didn't respond. Yes, <laughs> I mean, he probably did. Uh, but also, you know, what you said about the academies is real. These teams, you know, you look at their respondent surveys, they're spending $5 million on free academies. Minnesota United is not doing free academies. They only have two years age group just announced um, trials for the for the expansion to the, the third year yeah and so I, I think uh you know the the stadium is a big thing Quintero though is they only spent two hundred thousand to get him spending 1.5 million is nice but you look at what other people are spending and have spent over the last few years it's not really it, it's hard to say there's ambition there there's ambition yeah. in some ways though the stadium i think gets them a lot but for me, reading this rankings, it was like, look at the teams on the bottom. And it, it yeah. really is just, that made me the, the saddest. You know, there's probably four or five teams that are kick-ass ambition. And then there's four or five teams that are just garbage. Yeah. Well, Wall roasted Columbus on that survey, too, yes. which was yeah. which was really well needed. I mean, uh, maybe you can just uh, read the line that he says, but he, uh, I'll read it right here. He says, either Anthony Precourt didn't have the means skill or commitment to make the crew successful in Columbus or he willfully sandbagged the club in order to justify his desired exit. That's a great, I mean, yeah. It's true though. Yeah, it is true. Speaking of, uh, uh, Don Garber is in town in Minnesota, I think tomorrow night, uh, I think Tuesday night there's a event, uh, dark clouds have information, Minnesota put information out about it. He's doing like a Q and a, um, I'm really tempted to go to ask a Columbus question, but are you gonna wear your fifty-five-one press pass or make no, one I, up? No, I, I know. I don't, <laughs> even, I don't even dry it up and just say five-five-one and just <clears throat> no, I, uh, no. Don knows who I am, that would so be great. He, he will yeah. probably avoid me. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm tempted to go, but then it's like just just to uh, just to confront Don, I've got to like organize reorganize who puts the kids down and that seems like a lot of work just to piss him off so someone else go and ask as a as fans who have seen uh the the idea of your team dying right that how that squares with the the idea that like this league is always talking about how fans make us special like in a market that lost the north stars the lakers almost lost the twins like just like less than two decades ago like, Tell us how this is good for right. soccer in America. Yeah. So, how does this make I, me believe that Minnesota United is going to be here in 50 years? Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, someone should go, several people should ask that question. Uh, you know, Garber is, a, Garber is a, a slick, rich man, so he's a nice guy, too, but he's a slick, rich man, so go, go get him. Uh, Seattle. <laughs> Minnesota United. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. Let's take right. a deep breath. Ready? Three, one. one. Three, two, one. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll actually use that to sync all these tracks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't know where, where we want to start here. Uh, the, the big changes were you had Carter Manley starting at right back. You had uh, Bobby Shuttleworth starting uh, instead of Lampson, and you had uh, Christian Ramirez starting instead of... No, Lottie. Abud and Lottie starting instead of Oh, you're Christian. right, you're right, instead Lundali of Christian. Yeah, those were the Christian, changes, yeah. sorry. Um, uh, we can go through the goals. I don't know who wants to start this, but Alex, do you have, do you have any preliminaries you want to set the, the groundwork for this? Well, I, I, I think that, you know, it, today, and when we're recording this, it's Monday, um, I had written a piece in response to the game, 
Jeff Reuter had written a piece in response to the game. Kyle Eliason had written a piece in response to the game. So across Andy 55 Greeter won. as well. Yeah. Yep, Andy, Andy Greeter in, in the Pioneer Press. So across 55 won the Pioneer Press, Pro Soccer USA, The Athletic. I mean, it was just all of us, everyone was saying the exact same thing. It was basically copy and paste. Yeah, everyone. It was you guys like, are lazy. Oh man! But it was just like what? What is? Everyone knows, you know. Everyone knows. We, we've watched the same kind of things happen over and over, and it's just the whole. You know, the the details change slightly, but the overall picture has been the same for the last three games. Well, so against Portland and against Seattle in basically the 20th uh, and 25th minutes or so, um, Minnesota gave up goals, right? Back yeah, to back. back to back um, But goals. Th- this started out with, um, in the 20th minute, uh, to corner kick, Calvo lets Roman Torres go back and watch these highlights and, it is, and just watch what Calvo's doing. He's, he's marking him, he's marking him, and he just lets him go. And Roman Torres puts the ball over. And then two minutes later, Seattle and Matt Doyle um, has a great video where he just kind of speeds up and shows how uh, how many passes to Seattle put together. It was a lot of passes. And you know, just pushing Minnesota deeper, 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 so that um, finally, when, when the, the goal goes in in the 22nd minute, um, all eight... Outfield players, ex- so everyone except for the two forwards, Ramirez and Quintero, are in, in a line that um, is basically 10 yards deep. Mm. They're all lined up. And Quintero, originally, if you go back, the highlights don't capture this, but you go back a bit further, Quintero's with Gustav Svensson and you know, kind of pressuring him when he's got the ball and then he passes away and he kind of slows down, stops, Gustav Svensson keeps running forward into the midfield where there is nary a player for 30 yards. And Quintero's just walking, so Svensson's free. He takes the ball and he just shoots a, a just absolute thunder bastard uh, uh, in. in, in. It, it, Probably, I mean, it was savable, we'll say that. It was moving when he hit it. So I, I can understand why Shuttleworth didn't get to it, but it was definitely savable. I'll put Shuttleworth as the fourth most uh, uh, <laughs> blamable on that one. Would Lamson would have gotten that ball, do you think? I don't know. It was in the middle. I mean, it was in the middle of the net, you know, it was, it was high. And it, again, it was moving. And I think that that's what fooled Shuttleworth. Cause if later in, later in the match watching on the stream, they, they showed a shot from behind, Svensson, and, um, uh, uh, and you can see basically that that Shuttleworth's hand is in the is in the neighborhood, and it just yeah. it just sort of gets over. Maybe it. I didn't see that yeah. angle. It didn't look very savable to me. But I, I, I look, uh, it is uh, Seattle were very good in that that moment, um, but it, you know you can't. It's, it's bad. It's bad coaching. It's bad coaching, and, and the players weren't good enough. And then three minutes later, a cross comes in, and Calvo lets Will Bruin have two yards of separation. Uh, and, and when the ball comes in, when the ball is being crossed, we see the ball being crossed. Calvo sees the ball being crossed. He starts running toward goal rather than toward his yeah. mark. It is... It is deja vu all over again. Deja vu, but also just like even more what... I mean, like Taylor Twelman. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we even doing? Type crap. I mean, it's just like, like I just wanted to have Taylor Twelman on, like, you know, like, you know, crappy drive radio. Just be able to press that button and make him yeah. come in. A, burr, burr. a Taylor Twelman soundboard. Yeah. yeah. Well, he uh, was commentating, so. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was. So, I, it was. I think the thing with me was just yeah. not only that his marking was not nowhere near where it should be or where we've seen him do. Like, I didn't understand a that um, knowing that the ball is being crossed and you don't stick into your, to, to your mark and just going into the goal. But second of all was his reaction when he threw his hands up in the air like he was at no fault or he was angry at yeah. something. I was yeah. like, well, that was just your mark. You're right in the middle. Nobody else was nearby you. It, it wasn't Boxel's mark. Boxel yeah, right. was too far. It wasn't Boxel nobody else's mark. I, tried to get was, the ball. That was your mark, yeah. 
Yeah. The, yeah, I, I, I think the thing that bugs me the most is, is totally divorced from any of the details of that play itself. The fact that it came so soon after the first goal. And that was the same thing in Portland where we just got, we got, you know, we were, I mean, in Portland, we were playing pretty evenly up until that, up until those two goals. And see, in Seattle, Seattle were, were kicking us around for 20 minutes until they finally scored. But there was no, why did it take two goals before there was a reaction? I mean, the, the. Well, there wasn't even a reaction after the second goal. The the whole first half was oh, Seattle, uh, you know, being like kitty cat playing with the the mouse. Just boom, boom. boom. Well, and after the just... second goal, Seattle just kind of backed off. I think that's where Minnesota looked better after the second goal because Seattle just like took their foot off the gas, and also Dunlady figured out how to play, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, well, actually, no. Let's just talk about it now. Dunlady started, and. Look, Dinladi is a really good striker and someone who has a lot of promise. But if he is just a boot it long and he'll yeah. chase it striker, then he's not good, right? Like, right. and I don't think that's what he was last year when he was good, right? I mean, what the, one of the oh the Atlanta goal what, that Molino scored on came from a Dunlady cross because Dunlady was doing more and, and actually touching the ball and doing more than just being a guy who chased the ball. But yeah. for some reason now when Dunlady's in this year, all it is is boot it and he'll chase it. And then I don't understand and, what kind of tactical instruction he's getting because what you could see and and and, and entirely to his credit, Taylor Twelman was was completely over this. Uh, throughout the game, he he was sorry, he was all on it. I should say, I mean, is that Dunlady was make he was staying within the width of the box. He was making very central runs, and they were mostly straight line runs towards the goal. And that ball is really a hard ball to hit. I mean, like right over the top into a straight run, not far enough so that the goalkeeper can reach it. And Minnesota tried a couple times to hit that ball. Uh, they did. They hit it once. You know, Quintero basically hit it once in Portland, which resulted in the own goal. But I mean, in in Seattle, they weren't able to do it, and it was only about the thirtieth minute when Dunlani started making diagonal runs into wide areas to receive the ball, and that is what we needed from the first minute. I mean, we could not play. With with because when when Delati is trying to run forward, he's not making lateral runs. He's not checking back. That means Quintero has to drop back to receive the ball deeper into midfield, and he has to be the one who makes that pass either to Delati or trying to find Finley or Ibarra out on the wings, and. That leaves this huge gap of space between our two forwards. It just doesn't make any sense. It looks, it just looks awful when you're when you're watching it happen. You're like, how is this supposed? To, how are we supposed to score? Because when Quintero has to drop that far back, Ibsen and Schuler, no one, nobody passes him, you know, and it just leaves this void in the center of the field. And the, I don't. That is like that's on the coaching staff because, or it's on Dunlady for you know stuffing his ears full of gum or something and not listening because it, it, it is, it is inconceivable that that either they got the tactics really wrong or, or Dunlady can't follow pretty simple directions. I, I, I think it's the former. I just, I do not understand what was happening in that first half with Dunlady. It didn't make any sense. And it was, it was throughout the entire field from forward to back, it was influencing the play because Minnesota couldn't hold the ball in the attack. They could not advance into the Seattle final third at all. They had no options going forward. It was bad. Which makes, you know, your midfield and then your defense more tired having to be able to be on the on their own that much much pressure. Yeah. I never really understood what why it seems like once Quintero gets the ball, everybody like runs away. And then there's no and then just just they want him to create everything. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't understand that. Yeah. At least in this game, how that was feasible. And I agree with you. I think. I think Dunlady is best when he makes diagonal runs. When he goes into open space. When he has space to be able to, 
do what he can, pick up some speed, try to create, cross a ball, or, or try to get past someone and, and shoot that heavy heavy shot that he has. But I just I just don't understand why every ball that he gets is either a lob yeah. or a long ball. And There is one player time, who, who yeah. runs towards Quintero, and it's Christian Ramirez. Yes, which is something we'll get into yeah. later on. So, so second half uh, happens. And um, the big change is that Nicholson comes in for Finley, who um, we haven't talked about much in recent weeks, and that's because he hasn't done much. Uh, I, and I maybe if I, I I just he just yeah he's been a non 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 threatening, and I don't know if it's him being bad or I I don't actually know what to say about it, but he has not been ta- like. Worth talking about. He he's been involved in a couple things e- each game, but yeah, he's um, been in creation of some plays that were scoring yeah. opportunities. But he hasn't been so, the Finley that came over last year. Yeah, I think he's a player. And, and sorry, who scored at the beginning of the season yeah, too. So. too. Yeah. He's a player who who really is like a system player. I think I don't think he's the kind of player who um, is going to break open the game for you. But as we saw in Columbus, and as we have occasionally seen with Minnesota, if he's in the right system, if he's in a system that's that's creating enough space for him on that wing, then he can be quite effective. And I think he and and uh, and Nicholson coming in. I mean, I liked what Nicholson offered. I I do think that I think Finley did come out because he had a knock or something. And I think yeah, that if he had, I do think that if he had been in the game in that second half. I think he would have done fine. I mean, I don't think the the pivotal but, change was Nicholson for. for but I, no, I I think the the change was eventually. So so Nicholson comes in and Ibarra goes to the right, and Quintero's the second striker, number ten, whatever he is. Um, and then eventually, I don't know when it happened. About ten minutes into the second half, Quintero's out right. Uh, Ibarra's the number ten. Yeah, and they looked that looked good for a period, right? Uh, for for a period, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that something like that next week, could, I, I think that's worth exploring. I want uh, them to have the know. license to interchange, but for my money, Quintero stayed on the right for way too long, and eventually, like seventieth minute onward, he was kind of anonymous, and and he needed to be back mm-hmm. central. And uh, for whatever well, reason, I, I think he didn't I think seventieth minute. On, I think he's not ninety minutes. Right now, I think be. we saw that yeah. last week. We saw that this week. I think Ibarra got taken off, and I absolutely understand the reason to keep Quintero out there because you you, you don't want to take out the most dangerous, yeah, creative yeah, player. Threat, yeah. But you've got diminishing returns on him. Ibarra is still at least going to get you the engine stuff, right? Ibarra doesn't tire out. That's you know, um, but I, I I can understand why why they did that, but. You know, so let's go here. So, sixty-third minute, Christian. Uh, there's a cross from Tison, gets to Christian's feet. It fumbles. Uh, eventually, um, Jesse Pinkman, uh, Seattle goalkeeper, uh, gets the gets the the ball, and and basically, like literally at Lake Monster, we started going on, like trying to figure out what which cursed. Christian that was the that that was the tackle where where it squirmed through Chad Marshall's yeah yeah so I yeah. he just didn't see that one coming I know but but it but like I so we were all like basically starting working groups and trying to figure <laughs> out how do we find this witch what's what are the way you know yeah. googling how do you overturn a curse do we have to kill yeah. the witch all these but, I, but then I you were going to go on a witch hunt you might say we were gonna all go I would have said is hmm. we just have to do Olympia and that's it yeah. I mean, all we need is just some eggs. We we rub the egg over him, and then we crack it over someone and put it on his bed and a little cross, and there you go. That's all you gotta do. Why didn't you do this weeks ago? <laughs> no one told me there was a there was a spell on that. I mean, that's what my we're all watching the same game. We all know that there is a spell on Christian Ramirez, no, and then no. apparently in the so between sixty third and sixty fifth minute, someone went to his bed and did the whatever the hell you're talking about with the egg thing. Uh, and because then Quintero gets the ball, and this is this of all who does it come from? This whole oh, sequence Nicholson. started with Christian tracking down a long ball yep. and corralling yep. it, and then just recirculating it, yep. which was and really Nick- nice. Nicholson pops the ball over to uh, 
Quintero, Quintero yeah. which was Quintero, a, a like, great pass. And this whole thing was just like Quintero gets the ball and he like does this thing where he, he juggles it a bit. You know, he like he just chips it over. He puts it under his shirt and it makes himself look pregnant. He makes Chad Marshall an, an elephant balloon animal and then he like loops the ball up in the slowest goddamn cross I've ever seen in my life. Where like literally everybody was just watching. Yeah, I mean and, and terrible defending. Absolutely. Yeah. Garbage defending, and then Christian heads the ball in because he's not garbage apparently. Easy. Why can't uh, we not and, do that all the time? And someone broke the the spell. Uh, Christian, you know, uh, gets his goal, and then you know, then it's back, right? And Seattle then looked uh, looked like in trouble. And was it before this? I think it was just before this. Miguel had another header saved. Yeah, where he was. At the back post and beat two effing Seattle players to the header. This is two straight weeks with Miguel Abar being denied like a point blank header, which he put in a really good spot on goal. Yeah, That's crazy. No, I mean, he's been he's been he's been really like, at least for me, one of the bright spots is, is watching him out. I remember earlier in the season we talked about what was the best position for him to be in. Is like on the field. And Does I he? Still, I still agree with that. I mean, the more I see him on the field, the more opportunity he gets to create. Or just be somewhere where he has a chance to do something. He and, is a and force apply. multiplier. If, That's like the best was, way I can put it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's the. If he was making yeah. two hundred thousand dollars a year, every team would want him. Yeah, but he, 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 yeah, and but I do think that he is playing very well. I, I still don't know how to value what 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 he does. If he does need to just get a goal though, to just he do, he, oh man, he earned it. Well, so he, um, he had one that got called off, but. Yeah. Then the, the game kind of goes, nothing really happens. Uh, Calvo had a late chance. In the 89th yeah. minute, Tison crosses. He had a, Tison had a, a quietly good game. Um, Fry comes out, he misses it, and Calvo gets the ball. He's there to even it up, and he hits the side netting. It was not a very easy shot. Yeah, it was a tough I, I think, angle. You know what I think is we need to... Well, we need to figure out the witch that the Calvo. Witch that's going yeah, out with Calvo now. <laughs> actually, like the whole team, uh, basically just like needs to get the, like the juju straight here. I, all we need is the one-on-one with Calvo and Quintero, and we can sit down and we can talk about all this stuff, and maybe we can get it all out. Maybe, maybe I can call my auntie, who's a who's a medicine woman back in Peru, and we can figure all this thing out how we can work it all out. But I'm saying it's doable. I you know what you know I I kind of think like Ibsen probably has a little bit of shaman in him. You think like, so? Yeah, he's it's like quite possible. I mean, yeah, there's something something about him that that that's unnatural and anyway. So uh, Calvo misses this. Uh, probably one of his worst games I've ever seen him play for us. And then basically as a like just to reinforce the the Bill Murray less yeah. Groundhog's Day existence that this was, um, Schuler gives up the ball in midfield. Which then, which it's it's not just all on Schuler because there were like three or four opportunities to clear the ball and advance it forward that happened before Schuler's giveaway, and they were all like screwed up. I think Tyson sure. screwed up one. Boxall had a horrible pass. I mean, sure. I'm it was just saying painful. Schuler loses the ball. There's a counter, and then there's a goal. And yep. I, you know, I Schuler didn't have a bad game. He was better than Except Ibsen. Most, most of these players didn't. Yeah, Ibsen did have a bad game. Most of these players didn't have particularly bad games, right? Uh, except for I think Calvo was garbage. Uh, uh, Ibsen was not good at all. Uh, Carter Manley. I, I saw some people who really thought he did well. I thought he did well too. Did you? Okay. He did I not. Was, sorry, let me qualify that. He did well defensively. He did not do well attacking. Because okay. I I didn't watch this game twice, so I'm going by my memory. Uh, he was bad in the second half. I thought that was just my impression, but it, other people have said they thought he did well, so I, I won't. He had a lot of blocked crosses and one very nice blocked shot in the second half. Okay, good. That definitely well, stands then, out in my head. I, I think the reason Manley's out there is because, you know, he... There's no one else? Yeah, because, well, hey, we, we don't have a mirror <laughs> that's, that's, that's fit to come into play, but at the same time, he's, he's a big body, he's physical, 
He can stop the ball. Now, I don't think he's out there to pass the ball. I don't think he's out there to be a, an well, offensive Well, it would be great threat. if he could hit but, a cross. But, no, I mean, right. It would be great you, if he you could. Do see, but. You do see rookies come into this season. Uh, Keegan Rosenberry comes in as a rookie, and he blows away, blows it up for Philadelphia Union. You do see rookies do that. Right. Um, it would I just be don't nice think it's manly. See, yeah, yeah. It would be nice to see Manly to do that because, God, we need a rookie since we only signed draft picks. Um I don't know. So that's the game. Um, for, for, it, if, before we go on to that, because I have this issue with the last goal and the way that that, that was built up. Now, um, if you see in the highlights, um, who was the person that passed the shooter before he got tackled? Is anyone? I don't remember. It was no, Calvo. I don't remember. Oh. So Calvo passed it to him, and he had, I believe, someone else behind him. And um, so he, Schuler wasn't the only option at that point. He could have played it back and then opened it up the field. But then what gets me is right is he sees that the ball's taken away and he doesn't even run back. We see Tison running as fast as he can trying to get back out there, and he just disappears from view and doesn't even make it back into the screen. So like I'm like with me like when I when when I coach if you if I coach my kids if you lose the ball you you hustle back. Right, that's like one of the one-on-one, one things that we we do is like one-on-one. You run back, you try to get that ball back. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't know if it was just one of those days where Cavill where he already had let in a goal that he was not marking, and he's having a bad day, and he just it was just done with it. I, I have a but, shout out for that in that respect. There was a moment later part of the second half where Christian lost the ball. He he was trying to do a combination with someone, and screwed it up, and he ran back and played. Defensive midfielder. I mean, he was positioned at the top of the box. He was further back defensively than, in my memory, the central midfielders and Quintero, who had been in his area when he gave it away. So he was. there was a player who was like, oh, my bad, guys, I fucked it up. And he moved back and played defensive midfielder until the ball went out of bounds. And that really stuck in my head. He had two other defensive plays. This is Christian Ramirez. He headed out a corner, which was just sort of reinforced. We looked really bad on set pieces in the first half, and that's something that comes with Dunlady playing. And, and Ramirez is another option to defend on set pieces. So it was he headed a ball out at least once. And he, he, uh, he pressured um, a Seattle player, can't remember who, from behind, and and that led to a turnover that led to Ibsen drawing a foul. That was a kind of decent free kick opportunity. So I, I was not just impressed by Ramirez in the way that he changed Minnesota's shape and in the way that, well, and in his goal, but I thought that his defensive work was really good too. And, and, and as we mentioned way back when we were discussing the first goal, Dunlady and Quintero, neither of them play defense. I mean, neither of them. No, they don't. Yeah. When Minnesota are really far back defending, you have eight players in banks of four, and then a huge gap. And then, like, Quintero and Dunlady standing around the midfield line. And that, you know, that's not ideal. Yeah. Um, and it's not the way that we usually play. It's, it's, that's like an aberration from... The normal tactics that, that we would use. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't really want to belabor this game too much because it, it just. It was the first. You know, the, the Red Bulls game was bad, but I thought that there was a little bit of promise in that first half, and we were missing. There's all new games. guys, yeah. Um, this game was was just bad. Uh, I, I think that Seattle looked bad and like almost led us back into it, but it was not. There was none of the um, the the. I have been putting a lot of optimism into this team, even though they are bad right now, um, because I think that they've been playing better. But as Bruce, you know, Bruce and I were at uh, Lake Monster watching, and, and he had his calculator out and did did the math of how many goals we gave up. So I, I we we both then tweeted it out that we are on track to give up more goals than we did last year, mm. and that is. That's the problem. After the break, we're going to come back in Twitter and we'll talk about the coaching staff stuff. So I don't want to get into that now. But but we are not in a better place. And that is, that's really disturbing. I think we are. I, I mean, I think we're in a better place because... And, and, I, and I was not bent out of shape about this game. I, it wasn't a good game. I mean, I'm not saying that it, 
that we played great. I've been I've been much angrier about games, so I, I I'm, yeah. I'm okay about this game. What I, what I'll say is that I I like all of last year. Not only were we bad defensively, but I was tearing my hair out about the attack and about the way we were playing, going about playing offense. This year, our offense, if we have the right people in the field, is really fun and pleasing to watch, and I think we're constantly dangerous. And so I'm enjoying games a lot more, even if we're losing, because I think that we look pretty decent when we have the ball. Now, when we don't have the ball, we look terrible, but, and we'll talk about that after the break, but... Okay, so I'm next entertained. Week, yeah, this weekend is Houston Dynamo, who are two two and two. They beat Atlanta the first week, and they trounced Atlanta and looked like, oh man, and that was great. This past week, they beat Toronto FC's basically custodian staff uh, who were playing. Um, they've drawn against DC United, who are a very, very terrible team. Yeah, San Jose. Who are you know fine? Uh, they lost against New England, who are weirdly good, but I think that that can't last. And then Vancouver, who God knows what's happening in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, last year, Houston had our number. Uh, I think Wilmer Cabrera basically knew exactly what he was doing and was completely able to uh, destroy Minnesota with the nil-nil draw here. They were a bit lucky to to get the draw in Houston, and then they beat us toward the end of the season, right? I'm going off memory here. Um, they they were much better than us last year. Um, Except we should have beaten them in, like, the fourth week of the season, or fifth yeah, week of the so season the, the, last year. They were lucky to draw that game. But, yeah, we but tied that game, right? They, yeah. they beat us again in Houston later in the season, and then, because uh, we played three times last year, right? No, yep. just twice? No, I think, we, I think we played three times. Okay, anyway, moral of the story is, Wilmer Cabrera, I think, is very yep, talented. We played three times. Certain things, and um, I'm a little bit nervous. Although the nice thing is, back at home, we are good at home. Houston are really bad away. They won so, one game last year on the road against DC. That, do you have any hopes, Alex? Yeah, I mean, if we can't beat Houston while Houston are away, then we should just pack up and move back to like the USL. We've got Houston and Vancouver back to back at home. This is this is it, right? This is it for like. This is our home like, state, yeah. Okay, we we've been we've been sort of generally bad with flashes of promise, but you know what? We've been on the road, right? And we played a Seattle team that that had Ozzy Alonso back. We played a Portland team that you know was in their home opener, and they finally were getting to new life under. You can make all kinds of excuses. Yeah, and Atlanta was that that one. Right, that was a, a weird game, game state, yeah. and yes. and otherwise we played very well against Chicago. I mean, this is this is this is really. There's been like a succession of like put up or shut up moments for Minnesota United, but this homestand is really it. I mean, if Minnesota United is going to make something of this season, their best chance to do that is is right now it's coming up it's these these yeah. next couple of weeks i think they're five of the next six at home something like that i mean this is the moment for minnesota to put some points on the board yeah yeah they i mean if they come out with anything less than four points from this um just just pack it up uh, it's you can't you have to win at least one of these you have to get something from both of these because neither of these West, the Western Conference right now is just pure mediocrity. Yeah. And we're not that bad compared to the rest of the mediocrity. Vancouver um, has know, lost three games in a row. Yeah. And Houston are bad on the road. I mean, we should win both of these games. And Portland and Seattle beat us, but they are not good teams. And you could see that in the fact that we scored garbage against them and could have scored a little bit. You know, they, you know, both of them, their keepers had good days. So... Uh, let's let's take a break. We've got lots of Twitter questions, so I want to come back and, and do that, uh, and uh, and then we'll we'll cleanse our palate. <laughs> Wait, the Cowboys start playing bad after you pissed them off, or before that? <laughs> Yeah, I think we. I think Wes may be the witch. Yeah, I, Wes. Yeah. We've determined you are the witch. 
you pissed off Calvo. Yeah. Everything in the respect thing, and ever since then, he has not. We need to been know. Point. We need to know if you can float on water. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, back on the fifty-five-one podcast, I am the witch. Uh, so, I don't know. Someone's got to figure out how to break that spell. Calvo maybe has to say, "I'm sorry." Maybe you do know something about soccer. <laughs> or, or can you uh, can you piss off like a Houston Dynamo player? Like I don't know, Demarcus Beasley. Can you like get into a Twitter argument with him? I'll try. I try every day. I do my <laughs> I do my damnedest here, guys. Uh, so <clears throat> we've got lots of Twitter <coughs> questions. The first one is from uh, from uh, Turkish Zath Anthony Di Sam Lazaro, who is uh, like. Uh, um, I don't see him much at games these days, but like he's been around since like forever and like has a great memory. So he's like the my unofficial historian that can you know whenever I'm like what happened in 2002, he can answer the question. We were talking about the worst uh, streak for Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is now on four losses straight. As far as we can tell, as far as uh, uh, Anthony can tell. We've never had five losses in a row. He said that the two worst otherwise were um, there was like a 15-game streak winless with, with only one win in it or something like that in 2006. And there was an 11-game winless in 2007. Um, so he says, uh, what what is the measure of a team's level of futility? The first ever five losses in a row, the 11-game winless streak in 2007, or the one win in 15 in 2006, featuring a U.S. Open Cup loss to Des Moines? I think anything that involves a U.S. Open Cup loss to Des Moines has to be considered just a nightmare. I mean, I still wake up at night screaming when I try to remember that 2013 match. 2000, uh, the 2006 of one win in 15 is pretty dire. I think five losses in a row is bad. It is a record. Anytime you make a record, it's bad. Um, At least we're making records, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Still cutting records. <laughs> We've got a seven-inch dropping this weekend <laughs> called Batshit Terrible. Called R-E-S-P-C-T. Yeah. So, oh, my God. It took... All my willpower to not tweet out a link to Aretha's respect this week. <laughs> uh, just I like I knew that that would be totally immature and stupid, but I'll, I'll 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 still say it now. Um, Leo Spot says, "If I'm giving up on the season, how much does the formation ca- change with Molino if with Molino being back?" And and then. Another upper crust. Signing. Another so so when once Molino comes back, is will there be another upper crust signing before that? First off, I want to say don't give up on the season now. I, it last this week was I think you could gauge there was a way more frustration this week um, than most weeks. I think Atlanta was a similar week where it was a high level of frustration. The season's not over. We've played two um, of seventeen home games. Yeah. Um, but I, but let's say let's say Molina comes back uh, for the last game of the season. Let's pretend that, or or we have the same thing here for next year. How how does Molina fit into this? Do you just drop uh, Finley or Ibarra to the bench or Nicholson? You know, do, yeah. Do you with probably the winger core gets a little bit more congested, but you also figure out if Molino is healthy and is any good following his second ACL tear. So I mean I, I don't think that this is who knows with Adrian Heath but I, I like the moment Molino is healthy I am not sure I mean he's going to have to not just regain his fitness after regaining his his overall health but then he's going to re- have to regain his you know parts of his ability which which have sort of atrophied I mean it's tough to come back after an injury like this it's it's not. I, it's not going to happen this season. I think we're talking about next season, and and it, I do think that we we will see more signings of the DP caliber. At least one. I there, hope by there then there will be a DP cal- uh, signing by, if not two, at least one by the opening day of twenty nineteen. I'm not sure if it'll be an attacker though. Hard to say at this point. Yeah, which yeah. is like wingers. So it'll be a left winger. Yeah. So Brian Hamp. <laughs> 
Why, why, why has Heath been allowed to start Abu? Same question I asked myself. Yeah. Uh, Mark Fangmeyer says, is Ian Fuller in charge of Minnesota United's defense? Nope. If so, yeah, no, it, it is Mark more, Watson. or at least what we were told last year was that Mark Watson was like, brought, like, was specially tasked with that job of, of shoring up the defense. How does he still have the confidence of anyone, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's just, yeah, basically it's a Heath out tweet. Um, <laughs> We let's let's continue that with. I'll I'll just bring that up to to go to another um, uh, Heath out tweet because there's a few of these. Uh, this is from Chad Chad Chad. Uh, related podcast question: Is Heath bad at setting up the team, but good at making in-game adjustments, or are the players making adjustments in spite of his selections? <laughs> um, and then Jeff Mangan says, uh, after. Um, uh, Basically, after this article, the ESPN article that said where players voted and said uh, Heath was the fifth highest uh, coach on the list of players who they didn't want to play for, uh, so he says, in light of that, could we just blame it on his selection policies or uh, do we have to get rid of Heath because of that? Okay, I, I'm, that I'm poll had like a sample to... size of like yeah. 90 folks and he had true. like you know a single digit percentage so that means like three guys said they didn't want to play for him let's yeah be so a little we'll bit realistic there. about but, that but the the moral of all of these questions is there's a lot this week more than any other week there's a lot of heath out in the air um in the past i have been uh you just don't make a decision like that at this point um this week i am a little bit I feel a little bit different. I feel like uh, if I was if I was running this team, I would certainly begin contingency plans for, you know, give him time. But the best time to make this change would be World Cup break. You've got three weeks, two to three weeks. You bring someone in. You give them a, a chance to kind of work with players and get their ideas, and then. You know, maybe they can save something this season, but maybe they can start to build momentum so that they're ready to go March 2019. That's kind of... I, I'm not saying Heath out at this point, but any responsible person in charge should be thinking Heath out? <laughs> I think I think that any responsible person in charge is going to be like, eh, you know, following Mark Dos Santos on Instagram, seeing what he's up to, you know, just... I, I kicking the tires on some candidates. I, I I think that, um, I I think that no matter what, I I hate midseason coach firings, and I am not also convinced that the World Cup is necessarily the best time. Um, it it depends on who's available, right? But I think that you 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 have to. You have to give. I I think you have to give people full seasons. I I really I don't like midseason firings i think that heath deserves if we decided that he was the guy to go into this season then he deserves a chance to see it out for the season and if the defense remains as bad as it is then it's an easy call at the end of the season that he he won't be retained for for a third year um but, but what do you get? What do you get by giving that much time, right? If if you well, you get say, you get the chance say, that maybe you were wrong, and maybe maybe the team does figure something out. And I do think I do think saying after seven games we're on track to give up another record is not fair yet. But halfway through the season in June, getting to that point where you could say, okay, we are. We're terrible. We've broken another record. You know, we're we're doing historic things here that are bad. Why? Why not? I, Don't we see it in is, every? Like, I feel like in every MLS year, there's a team that figures it out in the second half of the year. And and and, and I'm not saying that you need to true, bank but, everything on that happening, and that's like the only reason in which to keep, you know, your coach. I, I just don't. I think. I think that. One, you want to be a team that coaches and players want to go to. And I think that part of that it, it needs to be that you that coaches and players know that they're going to get fair treatment and they're going to get, if you promise them, you know, seasons or if you promise them 
a chance to implement their vision or, or, or play games, that they're going to get that opportunity. And, you know, I, I don't think Heath deserves the three years that he's often talked about, um, because I think that we it's rational and reasonable to say you need to show us progress. But I do think that you need to give a coach time to figure things out, you know, if, over the course of a season. And you need to give a team time to f- figure things out over the course of a season. And I, and I just, I think that firing a coach is a real, it, it, you know, it immediately starts the clock on hiring a new guy. So if you're going to fire him the time with the World Cup, uh, then, you know, there's, then there's pressure on to get, you know, X number of candidates from the World Cup pool or, or whoever is available because they got fired out of Europe or, uh, you know, I don't know what. But I, I think uh, you kick the tires after the World Cup. I th- well, all Maybe. I'm saying is now. I think it, it makes now sense you to start, start the contingency right. plan. So right yeah. now, right now, if I was in charge of this team, I would come up with a list of five, seven coaches that, but that I think could be better. May not just and be it, World it, Cup coaches. I mean, I think Robin yeah, no, Frazier needs a look from a team in MLS. I think that Mark Dos Santos is a hundred percent deserving of of an MLS yeah. job. I mean, I th- I think that. It, I I just do not I don't I never like midseason firings. I think that I I think you you're like the the main thing is you never make a decision because Heath is bad, he needs to get fired. You always make right. a decision because you think, all right, this is bad, this is better. We got this guy, let's go with him. You you never so unless they have maybe someone But then you're also like, go, you're like to get to that point you have to sort of maneuver behind a coach's back in a way that I think is not great. Yeah, it happens happens every time, though. Yeah, but I, I don't know if I, I, I... Do you not think that that hurts the reputation of the team a little bit? It happens. Every team does this. Uh, I, don't, every, I don't know if every team does this. Yeah, I just don't see it fruitful to to start doing that. Like I, I think you can start looking into uh, options probably right around the end of the World Cup to evaluate where you are because you, by then you're... Um, you're at the halfway point to see where, where you may be, or where you may be heading, or where you may not be heading. I, I, I mean, I, I never gave Heath the three years to be able to be here. So, and I think for 2019, you probably want to have something that's uh, much more attractive uh, as a, as a coach and as a system. Um, but at the same time, I mean, let's just let's wait until the homestead, right? Let's wait till. These five six games to see what happens. You see, be able to be that. We need. We need. Um, we know that Quintero and and uh, Ramirez are looking for each other. Yeah. They need to be able to work those kinks yeah. out. Your deta- Your your DP has not had a chance. I'm. I look, guys. I'm not. I'm not on the the full on the Heath out uh, wagon yet. I'm just saying. About Manny then. I, I I'm just saying someone should be thinking about. The Heath out wagon. But I think um, people should always, like, the moment they hired him, they should have been thinking about that, right? I mean, yeah. you should you should have, if you're the GM, if you're the director of soccer or whatever, you know, in, in a locked, you know, cabinet in your office, you need to have a short list of, of people you're going to call if there's a vacancy like that. What and, I would do is, in the offseason, Greg Berhalter will want a way out of Columbus Crew. That's a choice. There will be... There will be Several teams yeah. knocking on his door. Um, talking to him now. I, I I would I would get that guy. I, oh my god! I'm not going to get off the Robin Frazier or Mark Dos Santos train either, though. I think nope. that those guys are super right. sharp. I'd love to see Minnesota be the team that gives them the the chance that I think that both of them. Well, Frazier got a chance with Chivas, but that doesn't count. So, uh, <laughs> Brett uh, Brettasaurus MN says, "Is Wiener Dog seventy meeting Demidov in Norway a sign of Minnesota United's potential resurgence?" This is uh, um, Wiener Dog seventy is Brian Molina on Twitter. Um, he was in Norway. He saw several games. He saw Stabæk uh, lose three nil to the top of the league uh, team Braun, and uh, and Demidov is playing for Stabæk, and so he tweeted out a photo of him and Demidov with a Minnesota United scarf. I I I messaged uh, Brian to ask him like. Please give me give me some more details here. Tell me like you guys chat. You tell me he like wrote a message in blood to Adrian <laughs> Heath that just said Heath out or something yeah. like that. Uh, and he just said no. Like 
he had like a it was literally the whole thing lasted a minute and Demidov gave him a, a look uh wait oh he, I wrote this down he said I will say that the wry laugh he he had when he realized where the scarf was from was outstanding it was like things I didn't expect to be reminded of today and then he went on to lose three nothing so so thanks Brett yeah Demidov is coming oh for you. man maybe Demidov's the witch no he's been gone too long I don't think oh, so okay all right. I think you're the witch, but that's just me. Andy yeah, Campbell I thought we says, settled that. <laughs> how, long, how long until Harrison Heath era begins? Never. It's, a, it's just a countdown, guys. Um, uh, 2019. That's Clark Starr says, why isn't Maximiano playing? Does the team miss Molino more than many thought it would? So actually, I thought Maximiano had, was traveling with the team. And then, and then he, he didn't appear on the bench and like Heath did. I was confused by that. And Colin Warner wasn't on the bench, right? Yeah, no. What happened to him? Yeah, I don't because he was he had a couple of decent appearances for Minnesota. Yeah, that's what and uh, that's what was helping. Rasmus too. has get, been getting tired late in games. Why, yeah, why not see that? Um, Maximiano, mm. look, we've said this several podcasts in a row. I I, I want to be clear. Maximiano is a fantasy that everyone has, right? He is a young Brazilian number six who we all believe could be a good player. Yeah. We have no proof of this. <laughs> he could be Jose Leton. He could be, uh, you know... Brandon uh, whoever Allen. the guy... Who the, Richard Garcia. Cameroonian yeah. center back that we signed that no one knows who he is. He, But he could be good. But he's coming back from an ACL. He's now, like, training with the team and doing more stuff. I No one... Like, I, actually, everyone... No more talking about Maximiano. Until he plays a game, just forget he exists, and then when he plays a game, you'll be like, whoa, who's this guy? Just just do that. Like That will make you all way more sane. Yes, uh, let's apply the same thing with uh, Alexi Gomez until he shows up. He's, <laughs> he's here this week, though. Oh, is he? That's and what he said last week. You know what? I, just put him in at this point. I, I, I mean, put it like... <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this team anymore. Yeah, put him in and then put in, like, Wyatt Olmsberg. Let him start. Just tell tell Calvo that he needs to earn his well, respect. I, I, think, I think for the next um, – I mean, I think it's time to start holding, you know uh, – we've talked about this. How he doesn't he doesn't hold all everybody accountable when they make their mistakes. And so I think it's it's about that time to be able to, to switch that, that defense up and hold those uh, – those center backs accountable for what they're for what they're doing. I'd be and, stunned and, if there weren't changes to the center back pairing this next game. I really would be. I know that Heath has gambled a lot on this center back pairing, but even in his comments to the press and and yeah. all that we complain about Heath, he does change things. He will change yeah, things. Yeah. He it We've often a lot. Yeah. takes him yeah, like two games past yeah. the point where the fan base or me or whoever else has like been screaming for him to make a change, like the Mark Birch thing. You know, but he will change. He will learn. It just he he he, he sticks he's to his. Never learned with Calvo. Calvo and Molino mm. are yeah. the like, and and eventually then Ibsen. But you know the, those those three are those three are the ones that are that precious. Need to be. Yeah, but Calvo. <laughs> but maybe it'll be Boxel who gets the axe. We've I mean, I don't know so much about how much we think Calvo is great. He's he's been just flat out terrible this year. Yep. Um and. and in a weird way. And look, you do need to, if your captain is doing that, you need to figure out, it's a tricky thing. Benching him is tough, but just, you know, Boxall hasn't been bad. He could be better. I know, Rodrigo, you, know, you, know you, you are, Boxel, yeah, I know so, yeah. how you feel. <laughs> I don't think he's been terrible. I don't think he's the problem here. But I don't think, I do think that Calvo gives you this stuff that, that Coleman, Olmsberg, Boxall can't give you. Right. I, I, I don't know. He is that go upside. To a go to a three-man back line. <laughs> do, do something, but like y- you need to fix it somehow, and maybe it's throwing Coleman and Boxall in there and just not relying on distribution from the center backs. That, that's fine. Uh, that's scary. Yeah. But Calvo has a kind of a athleticism and playmaking ability in defense that yeah, Boxall or Coleman Boxall. don't Boxall. have. Uh, you know, I, I, th- but I think Coleman, Coleman can do that a bit. A little Not bit, quite yeah. As well, I don't think he's a slightly more mobile than Boxall, but yeah. I, I just think that you know, I think if you're Heath and Watson and whoever else, yeah, 
and with the caveat that I have no idea how professional soccer training sessions work, I think you come into you come into week, this week and you basically <laughs> say, you know, it's all spots in this back line are open. You know, no one is penciled in at this point, and you have to earn your spot. And and the the starting center backs this week are going to be the players who impress in training this week. Look, back to, you know, just to go back to the, the Atlanta Calvo's response, you have a player who is asking for respect after a loss. Go, can you? And now, no, it's not even about that. And now, like, like, you can't have that attitude where it's like, oh, well, I deserve respect. Just can prove it. Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Next I, question. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> the easy, easy, easy solution is just, you know, the, the most easy solution is change Boxel and put in Kalman. And then, because as we said, you know, um, Calvo, Ibsen, and at that, till, till, till Molina got hurt, they were all the ones that were interchangeable. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't sub them. You couldn't, you couldn't take them out of the yeah. certain lineup. So I, I, think, I think Heath has, has enough confidence in Calvo to start him again. I just don't think Boxel makes that makes that cut. I think you put in someone else. You need to get another rookie, or hopefully, who knows? I don't. I don't know. Hopefully, Mears is is back is is back and be able to put them. Yeah. I just don't know how how people feel about see someone playing um um so having to switch with uh, Manly to be able to play um that position. I don't know how how um that's working out too well. I just I just don't see how. If you play Quintero, you have to play Ramirez. Yeah. I think that's the way you have to go there. And you have to have Miguel in there. And then if you want to throw Finley or Sammy, fine. Throw either one of those on. But have one of them be a super sub. Because we already know what Nicholson can do. He dribbles through five people and then cuts right. But he'll give or you that energy. dribbles right into someone. Yeah. yeah. And he, and he, but he gives <laughs> you that energy. And then puts his shot in the yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. yeah, he does give you, give you that. Yeah. And when you have him and Miguel on the same time giving you energy and giving yeah. you giving you that idea, you know. And then also, Schuler needs to come off at the 70th minute, no matter what game we're playing. <laughs> at the 70th minute, on the dot, I want Schuler to come He turns into off. a pumpkin. That's right. <laughs> so I want to I go to this last question from Sean Goman. He says it's two, two-parted. With the possibility that Calvo leaves after World Cup, who takes over as captain? And then speaking of captaincy, Calvo, why him? The side often looks rudderless on the pitch. I've never seen a side that waves arms and points exasperate exasperatedly like this one and I follow Arsenal is this on Calvo <laughs> Heath language barriers it's not on language barriers for, for Calvo at least he speaks fluent English um, so let's go to the first part do do we think Calvo will leave after, after the World Cup do we do we think offers will be in <laughs> not if he plays this way he's playing like this because we've said that we assume that he's I've said that I assume he's leaving but you're right like if he plays like this garbage, well, he has an opportunity. I mean, yeah. no other wing no other player from Minnesota right? is going he to have plays l- uh, left fullback, left wing back, yeah, or or, or as left, the um, left side of a, the, the left side of a center three man back line center three. Yeah, um, he has the look, opportunity to get sold. Like we, no other Minnesota player has the that opportunity this summer. And we hope that he's awesome in the World Cup because I do think that Minnesota. And this is, I'm totally making this up uh, out of my assumption, so I'm not pulling this out of From your fantasy world? Yeah. Just want to clarify. I think that the assumption is that they've got this guy who they don't view as a long, as a, as a three, four year project. They view as a, we can bring this guy in, he'll be good for us, we'll get some money off of him, then we can help t- uh, p- put something together longer term. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, I, I, I do think that who takes over as captain, that's a really good question because you have to figure out who, who has gravitas in that, uh, in that. That is a very good question. I, I mean, who's, who's most likely going to start? Yeah. Who has a good personality for it, right? The, do we the, see a return of Lampson, do you think? I would have bet on Mirrors, but I'm not sure about his durability. So. I mean... You you almost think that if Calvo's gone, Boxall gets it. Yeah. <laughs> or Finley, yeah. Wow, yeah. I think Finley, more than anyone, probably Maybe. would get that. Yeah, I think that um, I, I personally would you know, want to give it to probably if Ibarra starts, but then... But 
But then, but then we don't know what what that's gonna be like because you, you. But Ibarra know. is, look, Miguel's quiet. I love Miguel. Ibarra is the is just way right. too quiet to be a captain. And and Calvo, by all by all accounts, is a very um, soft spoken captain, right? He's not he's not a yelling in the locker room, getting people pumped up. Um, and so the the why him question is, he is a smart guy. He is uh, a good person. He's not necessarily a leader. And this is like me drawing from what people have told me about him and, and talking about him as a captain. Um, so, you know, sometimes you want a captain who is a, uh, who's a yeller, right? Who, who just, who will help like galvanize stuff. Sometimes you need some more soft-spoken. Yeah, I, I um, can't. I can't think. I can't think of anyone on that team who who would fit that bill. It's it's kind of hard. Maybe Finley because he's passionate. But I mean, yeah. besides that, I, I, I mean, Ramirez is quiet. Miguel is quiet. Uh Ramirez not as quiet as as Miguel. I, right, I think right. Christian probably, <clears throat> if if they believe that Christian was the starting striker. But the problem is, a lot of these players in the squad are not. Pen, not starting. Yeah. They're not written in pen as starters. They're written in pencil. Um, I'm not sure Christian wants to be a captain either. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong. Maybe. But I, I think he wants, to, to some extent, he, he wants to be a little bit in his own world when he's playing. Did, did you just notice? give it to Schuler. There we go. Yeah, and strikers are never good captains. Um, did you notice that uh, Miguel got a little... Uh, puppy dog. Yeah, right at the same time that Christian had a baby. Yeah, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that separation anxiety between oh, the two. Yeah. That, on Instagram, that uh, that is giving me so much joy, and it is a. T- I don't know what Did kind you of. See the last one. It is. That, it's like a husky type of like. A, like no, it's 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 not. It's definitely it's like not, a teddy bear type of thing, right? Yeah, but oh my god! Someone who knows these knows actual dogs who's actually spent yes, more than five minutes with a dog. Please tweet at us. Please tweet at the show. <clears throat> um, it, it's one. It's. One of these cute, adorable toy dogs, and it is so funny. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, the last one where he's like he playing video games with it, and he's yes. holding the controller. Oh, yes. That was oh my god! The greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Okay, let's end on that because that was a positive note. Go check out Miguel's. <laughs> go check out Miguel's Instagram account. Uh, th- this Saturday is Houston. It should be good. I'm like, I'm like I'm getting myself pumped up. I know that there's a lot of negative energy, but like, have a couple drinks. <laughs> and then it'll be it'll be a blast. And and it'll, and it'll all be like seventy be degrees. Right. Not only that, but and and my daughter's tournament, my oldest daughter's tournament got canceled. So that means I have the possibility of going to the game. And it's your birthday. And it's my week. birthday weekend. And we're going to burn me as a witch. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going right. right after the show. We're going to do the whole eggs. Yeah. We're going to yeah. going to do the whole. No, we, we, we have to do this before the game. What right are we? It. We don't want to curse him again. Yeah, on the sorry, pitch. sorry, Wes. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, thank you, guys, Rodrigo, uh, Alex. Good to see you guys, or at least talk to you, Alex. Uh, <laughs> be well. Let's uh, let's have a happier uh, uh, pod conversation next week. Heath in next Woo! week.